everybody. This is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. My name is Bryn Griffiths. I am the host of this, but I'm not the uh, the main guy. That's Brent McIntosh who joins us today. Brent, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you, Brent? Fine, thank you. You know, this has really been Good. a struggle this past uh, 12 months for a lot of people getting through the COVID stuff. But I really have felt really badly for people who have had restaurants and places of hospitality because they have just been juggling and hanging in there doing what they've got to do. And we have some guests with us. Tell everybody who's joined us. Yeah, we're really privileged to have a couple of entrepreneurs join us today. And and the reason that I wanted this podcast uh, before we introduce them is that fortunately for me in real estate, I'm an essential service. So although our work conditions definitely changed, I got to continue work. There are individuals that own businesses that weren't so lucky and had to make drastic changes to their businesses, including the restaurant industry, of course. So today we're joined by a couple of, like I said, entrepreneurs who have some restaurants and cafes here in Edmonton. Colin Walker owns and runs Cafe Haven in Sherwood Park. Colin, how are you? Doing pretty good, buddy. You? Very well. And uh, let's full disclosure, Colin and I have known each other since grade one or two. And so we're uh, lifelong friends and, and even managed to visit when uh, Colin lived in Japan. I saw him there. So we've kept in yeah. touch pretty much our entire lives. Mills Haven Elementary, dude. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, <laughs> our second guest is somebody that's pretty well known and, and, and has a great social media presence here in Edmonton. And that's Paul Schufelt from the Workshop Eatery and Woodshed Burgers and the Greenhouse at Victoria. Did I get them all, Paul? Uh, yeah, you nailed it. Good job. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, both of you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So let's talk about your restaurants first. Um, uh, uh, we'll start with Paul because you've got three. Tell us where you're located, um, what you serve at your restaurants, and how long you've been around. Uh, so we started with uh, Workshop Eatery back in November of uh, 2015, and that's sort of uh, you know farm to table from scratch. So we really focus on seasonal cooking. Uh, you know, a little bit more, I don't want to say fine dining, but a little bit fancier, you know, you're talking about duck dishes and salmon and, uh, you know, the chicken and, you know, tenderloins and things like that. So, uh, then we have the two woodshed burgers locations. So we have uh, one on 124th street and then, uh, the newest one in Ellerslie and that's your burgers and fries. A lot of the same philosophy from, uh, workshop came over a lot of cooking from scraps, that sort of thing. Uh, and then we have uh, the greenhouse restaurant. So that's uh, Victoria Golf Course. We'll go year round. And then uh, we also do the uh, food and beverage for the Rendell Park and the Riverside locations. Fantastic. Colin, you run Cafe Haven and it's not just coffee, correct? <laughs> no, well, we're, yeah, I kind of go cafe slash bistro. We took it over, uh, you know, under the understanding it's a restaurant, but it's more of a bistro. We have, um, you know, transcend and roasty coffees on our uh, on our espresso machine, and then we're we do breakfast, lunch. We're sort of more well known for our brunch in Sherwood Park. Uh, we do try to use a lot of local ingredients, uh, local uh, local farmers and stuff. But we do we do mix it up quite a bit. And you haven't run that for for too too long. When did so, you buy that? Yeah, so we're I call it version three point three point oh. Keep it keep it in perspective but i mean uh, the first owners were michael and julie uh harvey uh, michael worked for coffee and julie sort of ran the show at the cafe and they t- they ran it for about five years and then uh, mill creek cafe was running it for about five years 
between this and we took it over in May of 2018. Okay, next up for each of you, we'll start with Colin. Why, in God's name, would you want to own a restaurant? <laughs> right? Yeah, I thought it would be fun. Wow. <laughs> Uh, for us, it was, uh, it was a strange reach. Um, it wasn't your typical, typical start, start a business up. We took something over that was already running, um, you know, fairly busy. Uh, so we, it was, you know, a way to find stability and keep my family in Canada versus, you know, there was a, there was a, an urge to go back to Japan to, to uh, the both of us could work. Uh, it was, it was tough to get established in Canada once I've been away for 15 years. So, um, you know, we did, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Like I think, um, uh, you should have five to 10 years in the industry with at least, you know, eight, eight of those 10 years being a manager or understanding the business. So it was very tough. Uh, we took it over and, uh, we didn't really turn it around till the end of 2019, 2020, the start of 2020. And of course we all know what happened then. Yeah. But, um, you know, normally, normally you'd be able to turn around quicker if you had more industry experience and you wouldn't lose, lose, lose as much as we did in the first 18 months. But, uh, that being said, it, it's been a pretty interesting experience. So Paul, why did you want to own a restaurant? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, 18 months ago, it would have been easier to answer that, but, um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I mean, I, been in the business my whole life. I mean, I started as a dishwasher when I was 16 and uh, just kind of worked my way through the ranks and I've been a line cook, a sous chef, a chef. Uh, I've been a partner in businesses and uh, kind of reached that point where I just wanted to be the the, uh, the guy driving, driving the bus myself and running my own business. And uh, I love taking care of people. I love the hospitality industry. I love, uh, you know, just creating memories for people and being a part of special, special occasions and nights out for them. And, um, and uh, it's it's definitely not a a get rich quick <laughs> prospect. It's more of a, you do it out of love and you do it out of passion. And honestly, I don't know what else I'd be doing if I wasn't a restaurant owner. So, oh, good. Um, obviously, nobody could have predicted what was going to happen last year. But briefly, give us a summary of your 2020, Colin. Uh, 2020. So. You know, again, I was mentioning we we actually turned things around. Things were looking good in February of last year. Uh, then you know the, the pandemic hit, and I think for everybody, everybody was kind of in shock, really. And then uh, we shut it down pretty early, and we we tried to reduce the risks pretty early. Uh, we shut it completely down. We closed the entire store for all of uh, April, and then we reopened uh, in May um, with a fairly limited uh, staff selections but we kept it going we just sort of been slowly uh, keeping the lights on the entire time like uh with with some new menu items but basically uh very limited paul yeah i mean if i if i look back i mean 2019 was sort of a banner year for us we opened our second concept in which burgers and in the summer and kind of got to christmas time at the end of 2019 we're feeling really good about ourselves 2020, we had signed a really early on. We signed a contract with the city of Edmonton to do the F and D for the three golf courses, and you know, life was rolling along really good. And then, sort of mid January, you heard some words about this COVID thing coming, and then February, you hear a little bit more. And uh, you know, by March, uh, we're in full on what the hell is going on mode. And um, you know, and then literally, I mean, the month of March was. Uh, you know, going to bed every night, trying to get a little bit of sleep and tossing and turning and, and 
plan out every scenario in your head about, you know, this will be a couple of months or we're going to lose our business in, you know, three, four weeks. And uh, I remember, you know, you know, we'd have a team meeting and we'd come up with a plan and this is how we're going to deal with it. This is where we're going to manage the financials. And so we're going to keep the doors open. And within 48 hours, the game had changed and all those plans and ideas you came up with were useless and you had to start over <laughs> again. It was really wow. about thinking on your feet for six or eight weeks, you know, maybe even 12 weeks uh, until things sort of leveled off and we found this sort of new normal that we could manage by the summertime. And yeah. And then, you know, we felt like, okay, we can live with where we're at. And then sort of the fall came and uh, all of a sudden uh, we started seeing the numbers go up again. And now we're going through this all over a second time, but uh, you know, management staff, the customers, everybody's exhausted. And this is the second go around has been that much more difficult for us because, you know, the, the war chest is empty. Uh, people's mental capacities and their ability to kind of keep pivoting and being creative, they're, they're getting tired and exhausted. And people, you know, as much as they want to support local, I mean, you can only order takeout so many times. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's just feeling a whole lot of fatigue. Well, I, I just want to jump in and ask both you guys this, and we'll start with Colin and then get over to Paul. But are you amazed now that we've almost gone a full year here at how creative you've been and how you've been able to reinvent yourself, not once, but maybe twice or three times? And let's not dwell on where things are going right now, but just looking back at the past year, it's been amazing to see, and it's been quite uplifting for me just as a casual observer to watch how guys like yourself have been able to to been able to to withstand this past 365 days Colin I'll start with you yeah the pivoting like you know Paul was mentioning like you, you constantly have to reinvent and rethink and 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 you don't know what the future looks like two weeks a month three months whatever you have no idea and the, the situation is constantly changing so yeah, I agree. Like it's, I've noticed Woodshop doing a lot of good things and, and for ourselves, we're, we're pivoting and constantly changing what we wanted to do for us. It actually served as a good chance to reset and re sort of reimagine what we want to be post pandemic. And I've been talking to my staff about that for the last three to six months is like, we're planning for the, the end of the pandemic. We're planning for what's it going to look like when we can relatively, you know, reopen and be relatively normal and what do we want to be? So it's actually been good in that sense. We've actually had a chance to sort of rethink what we want to be and what, how we're going to do it and uh, put the management. We've got a full management team that's kind of starting as of next week. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're optimistic, like we're keen, but uh, it's just been so chaotic. It's it's just the weirdest time, right? And Paul? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it's so tough when you're in the middle of the war to kind of look back and go at all those things you've accomplished. Yeah. It's sort of like, okay, got to focus on keeping my neck above water and, and trying to survive another day right now. And, um, you know, it's exhausting. I'll say that. I mean, uh, I don't know how many more moves or pivots I have left in me. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, it's hard to keep your team motivated and excited and, uh, when, you know, they want to get back to doing what they want to do and that's taking care of customers and making great food and making meals and, you know, wearing masks and handing bags of takeout over to customers through car windows is it's not, it's not what they signed up for. Right. And I, I mean, I'm impressed and I'm amazed at what our team has managed to do over the last, you know, call it uh, almost 12 months now to keep us going and to kind of just, okay, this is what we're doing now. And they jump on and they do it. But, uh, yeah, you see the fatigue in their eyes, and um, yeah, and the hard part is 
you know, it's good to hear that Colin's optimistic. I just feel like every time I see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, there's a new curveball or a new surprise. Oh, we're out of vaccines or there's a new variant or this is happening. It's just like, ugh. you know, like when, when, when is the end? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like your, your beard is a little bit more gray than the last time I saw you, Paul. So, mm-hmm. so you, I, I can, does it feel like you've aged quite a bit more than just a year? Uh, yeah, I would say for, uh, <laughs> for sure. I feel like I've taken a few years off my life. I mean, the one positive I would take from this is that uh, on the other side of this, assuming we all survive, I mean, uh, we're going to be able to look back at it as entrepreneurs and business owners and say, well, if we survived that, we can do pretty much anything. You know, the... <laughs> The uh, dishwasher breaking down on a Friday night is no longer a big deal, and let's not sweat it, right? Like, that's because we survived the pandemic. So, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. As we record this podcast, restaurants are currently closed to in-person dining, but by the time this podcast actually airs here in Edmonton, um, obviously restaurants can be permitted to to open up again to to dining in. Uh, for each of you, what are you going to do differently? um for for that opening that you haven't done in the past Colin uh so yeah basically from last um last June and July I I uh sort of was tinkering around we created an app Cafe Haven app uh customized to our brand and then uh we, we rolled out our loyalty program and our online menu came on a little bit later in the summer all that's kind of being tinkered with and and uh optimized so we're planning on there's about four or five areas we're focusing on retail. We want to improve our retail offering. We want to improve our menu, um, more sort of fresh and, and, uh, grab and go items. Um, and then, uh, of course the loyalty app, the loyalty program, sorry, the app and the uh, online menu, um, are all being sort of refined as we speak. And then, um, you know, we are looking at catering office catering, uh, and then we want to get back to live events and, and some evening uh, evening dinner specials and things like that. But uh, okay. we're we're optimistic. I mean, like and when I say optimistic, like that's probably two days a week. Five, I'm just like in chaos. So uh, you know, we're some days I feel like you know the end is coming and we got we got we got to get ready for the reopening. But you know, every day we get the news like he's talking about, like uh, you know the, the 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 variants and the vaccines. It's just you're just trying to figure it out, right? But uh, we're optimistic, and we got lots of plans that we're hope it's it's going to all make sense at the end, and, and uh, we'll roll out, and things will things will turn around, right? Okay, Paul, your plans on reopening? Yeah, I mean they kind of vary by store store to store. I mean greenhouse is pretty uh, pretty straightforward. We're going to open the fire pits again. They were successful right before we got locked down the second time, and uh, people that can cross country ski or take advantage of the river valley can come out and use those. Um, we still have a lot of space upstairs in the two dining areas, so we are going to be open for weekend brunch. Um, very limited capacity. We recommend reservations. You know, people have just reserved to come down, and we'll kind of really be tightly controlled on that. And if we can do a little bit, a bit of business and pay the bills, that'll be great. Uh, Woodshed, we are going to open for limited dining in-house in as well. Uh, the model is pretty quick. We can do fairly limited service, um, still be able to give a good experience, but there's not a lot of table touches and that sort of thing. And uh, then we don't have to tweak or adjust the menu or anything to accommodate dine-in. So we will do some limited dine-in there starting on Monday the 8th. Um, and then workshop is the tough one. I mean, we pivoted to turn that into a woodshed south back in the spring. We pivoted a second time to turn it into hen house now. Um, 
uh, for takeout because workshop just doesn't travel well. We are going to open for the Valentine's Day weekend as workshop, offering a very limited menu for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Uh, then after that, we are going to open uh, Wednesday to Sunday uh, for dine-in and takeout as a hen house because there's that apprehension in my my mind, back of my mind, that uh, the hospitalizations are at about 550 right now. We can easily go back over 600, and if that's the case, we're back to being locked down. And I can't afford to prepare all the food and get everything ready for a workshop eatery again, and then have to go back to a takeout concept. So, Henhouse is a nice casual concept. It works for the space. It works for us to be able to still do takeout, but offer those guests that do want to sit down and have dinner an option as well too. So we're kind of going to be open as Henhouse until we feel like those numbers. Uh, come down considerably and stay lower and we feel like the um, idea of being shut down again is sort of in the past so that could be a month it could be three months it could be a year I don't really know at this point so I could talk to you guys all day long about the restaurant industry that's where I started as a young man and worked quite a bit as a waiter and and uh, love what you guys do you both are very caring individuals uh, and care about your staff uh, have you been able to keep all of your staff throughout this, Colin? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say 80%. Okay. Overall. A couple of people have come and gone since the pandemic. Uh, so we reopened and, and kept things going. We've kept everybody. The hours are a lot less. People are still being uh, supported fairly well for the CERB and the, uh, the government benefits. So okay. it's actually not too bad. Like, uh, obviously, people isn't are making you know the same amount of money they were before blah 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 but uh all things considered i think on the financial side for staff i think they're doing they're doing, i can't talk to their personal uh finances and stuff but i think um overall we've we've done okay considering what other you know other businesses have probably suffered a little bit more sure so, paul yeah i mean for us it's uh it's been all over the place when we first in the spring shut down uh we laid off about 80 percent of the staff really quickly uh thankfully we were managed to bring almost all of them back all within a few weeks because the businesses rallied quickly and the community supported us this second time around we've had to lay a few more people off um you know we've gone to almost a skeleton crew at this point and uh, you know, the intention is to get as many of them back as possible, as soon as possible. But I would say out of all of this, I mean, you know, there's the fear of losing your business. There's the financial stress and all that. But I think the hardest part is having that conversation with an employee and saying, I just don't have hours for you now. And uh, yeah. up until the pandemic, I've never had to do that with staff members at any of the restaurants. And it's usually, can you please work a few more hours or can you work on your day off? And it's a whole lot other animal now to be able to say you know my responsibility as your boss is to uh, or one of my responsibilities is to help you provide for your family and i I'm, i can't do that right now and that's that's a hard pill to swallow and it, it hurts to have to do that for any of these people because they go to the they go to the end of the earth for us quite often and uh do so much to keep us successful and it's hard to not be able to return the favor i want to talk about something maybe a little bit more controversial <laughs> and that's skip the dishes and any of the delivery apps that are out there. I, I know um, that's actually I how I f go. <laughs> What's that, Sorry, Paul? I don't know if we have that kind of time. <laughs> I, 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 and, and, and literally, that's how I, I heard about you, Paul, as I saw one of your social media posts about Skip the Dishes, and I thought it was, it was absolutely brilliant. So, so we don't have the kind of time that you, um, that you put into it. And, and, but really, really quickly, maybe you, Paul, could, could explain Skip the Dishes and those delivery apps to our listeners. Yeah. 
I'll give you the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, long story short, when when a business is operating normally and say, let's just say for simple math, you do $1,000 in sales a night, but you get a couple of skip the dishes orders that amount to another hundred bucks. You're, that's okay. You're just making a little extra money and you're happy to give a third of that away to a third party delivery driver or not just the driver, the company, right? Um, but when your all of your business becomes takeout and delivery and the company like skip the dishes or uber eats wants to take a third of that um there's nothing left i mean we operate you know the industry average for net profit for a full service restaurant is 1.8 percent profit um a good restaurant might might net five or six percent a great one might net eight percent well if you're giving 30 percent of the sale if you're giving 30 or 35 cents on every dollar away to the to a third-party delivery system it's really it, it doesn't take long for you to be losing money and it's frustrating for me because they're they're a parasitic industry that is leached on the back of restaurants and makes money only on our success. And they see that we're struggling and suffering and rather than going, well, let's all cut you a break so we can all weather this. They're like, no, we're going to ride you into the ground and we'll keep taking the 30% as long as we can. I think that that was really interesting to a lot of people that they don't realize that that 30% comes out of your pocket because in, in lots of times... And they think that's how the company makes money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that uh, literally the, the consumer is paying for both the purchase of the food and, and the delivery charge. Colin, do you use um, those delivery apps? Well, we use Skip for the uh, about a year, uh, about three or four months after we, we took over, we, we introduced it. And I realized, you know, quite quickly, and I understood that, you know, the, the 20 it was 25 for us, but Right, it's it's between twenty and thirty percent is what I've been hearing. Uh, that's way too much, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I assumed I I took it on as a branding, a way to be branded in Sherwood Park. And then um, when the pandemic started, you know, I, I've been wrestling with it for a while. I cut them, I cut them out, and then you know, uh, everything Paul's saying is exactly accurate. And and you look at advertising. I mean, these companies, especially Skip the Dishes, are, are making a ton of money on the backs of restaurants and independent, especially independent places that they can't get the, the lower uh, fees. So not only that, I mean, look at advertising, watch hockey night in Canada or ho- any hockey show or any, anything prime time and skip the dishes is on every two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're advertising with a, a celebrity guest. And, and that tells you that they're making a ton of money. If they can advertise that much, that means that, they're just making you know so much money they can do all these marketing campaigns and um, that tells you that you know something's not right you know <laughs> and the interesting thing with this too sorry to chime in but no please skip the dishes and uber eats and all those guys came into the marketplace under the impression that we are going to help you level the playing field we're going to allow you to compete with the big guys and allow you to deliver your food out to the neighborhood and really support small business but I don't know if you ever seen a skip the dishes ad for workshop eatery or Northern chicken or Muley's or any other place. No, it's always McDonald's and Boston pizza and Tim Hortons and all these places. So the same guys that we're competing with every day are now in bed with skip the dishes, getting 10 or 12% commission rates instead of 30. And here we are in the same position we always were. So, and the problem, the worst problem with skip the dishes and Uber eats is the customers create loyalty to the convenience and not to the business. So they don't go on and go, I love Workshop Eatery. I love Cafe Haven. I want to support them. It's who's going to deliver to me with no fees tonight and who's ready to accept my order. 
and it's I want a burger, and this place is nearby, and it, it's ready to ready to deliver to me. So I'm going to press click. We've become it, we've become loyal to convenience and not to the brands that we need to support the neighborhood restaurants. I appreciate your candor. Let's not end on something like that. Let's end on something a little bit more fun. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So, so, cause you guys are humans and local business people so that our people can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Colin, tell me about you. Well, we, I grew up, uh, just down the street from cafe Haven on mission street, uh, which you grew up on Marcus street, I believe. I did. Uh, played at sports in schools and, and throughout short park, uh, lived in Japan for about 16 years. Uh, met my wife there and we had our daughter, Lilia. Uh, who has become our uh, our everything? Um, and so we got our new dog Hank, <laughs> which yeah. is a hundred pound uh, one year old puppy, Mastiff Shepherd, and uh, he's going to soon eat us out of house and home. Uh, but he's a ton of fun, and, and we're just having we're having a lot of good family time. So that's the one takeaway from a lot of this negativity is uh, it's given a lot of time. I don't know if we're going to talk about that separately, but um, uh, I like I had the chance to teach Lilia when she was out of school, you know, three hours every morning last spring, and that was uh, that was a real joy. Oh, um, we we're getting lots of lots of cross country skiing, lots of long walks with the dog, um, just exploring the local park, seeing Sherwood Park for for the beauty that it has, and enjoying winter, which you know we had a warm one, but we've been able to I've been able to skating every three four days, so yeah. it's been. On that side, it's been very good, but um, wonderful. The stress that that's happening, and we don't know how it's going to end. It's it's still there, but uh, on the positive side, you know, I'm putting a lot of focus on my daughter and my family. So good for you, Paul. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm a. I grew up just outside of Montreal. I uh, moved out to Alberta in '99. Uh, uh, spent some time in Canmore and Banff. Did my schooling at Nate. Then I spent a year and a half working in Switzerland. And when it was time to come home, I wasn't sure where home was at that point, and got a job offer in Edmonton. And uh, my dad was here and decided to come and spend a few weeks. And I was going to save some money for six months, maybe a year, and then travel again. And that was in 2003. And uh, now I. <laughs> Uh, five restaurants, a family, a daughter. I uh, just bought an acreage just south, south of Sherwood Park. So uh, I think I think I'm here for a while. I think I'm. I think here. you're. I think you're now an Edmontonian. I would I would say so. Yeah. So you know, it's a great city, though. I mean, I love the community. Just how they rally around small business and they rally around charities and fundraisers. I mean, they're so generous with their time and their money and. Um, and you know, despite the weather, it's still a beautiful city. There's so much natural uh, scenery, and you know, uh, I love to golf. So there's lots of great golf tracks, and we're close to the mountains. And Good yeah, that's a beautiful place to call home. So, well, we're going to wrap up things. Uh, remind us again the names of your restaurants and the locations. Paul, go ahead. Uh, Workshop Eatery down in Summerside, Woodshed Burgers on 124th Street in Ellerslie, and uh, the Greenhouse at Victoria Golf Course. Colin. A Cafe Haven, 9 Sioux Road in Sherwood Park, S-I-O-U-X. And, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Guys, thanks for your time today. Uh, continued success. How you guys have done it is an absolute uh, inspiration to people like myself. I'm just amazed on how you're able to, uh, to hang in there and keep a level of optimism. And hopefully we'll all get through this in one piece, and I can hardly wait to go out and eat, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. And Brent, thanks. We'll check in with you again in another week. This is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh. You can check them. How do people get a hold of you? We never talked about that. Yeah, real quick. You can always find us online at McIntosh group.ca or call us directly at 780-464-0075. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm Bryn Griffiths, and he is Brent McIntosh, and we'll talk to you next time.